The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics, life and culture. My name is Freddie Gray. I'm the deputy editor of The Spectator. I'm delighted to be joined today by Guy Clapton, who is host of the Near Futurist podcast. And we're going to be asking what on earth is happening with Facebook, or as the company is now officially called, Meta. Guy... Facebook enjoyed, like all major tech companies, a substantial bounce during the pandemic, but it's recently collapsed. Yesterday had the biggest ever fall in its share price, I think about 25%. And there is a sort of general sense that Mark Zuckerberg is losing control a little bit. What's going on? Is Facebook in a death spiral, as some people are saying, on social media? As if people would ever exaggerate things on social media. How could anyone think such a thing? The answer is uh, probably not, or at least not just yet. What's happened with Facebook is nothing that it hasn't faced before. I don't know whether you remember in 2012 when they first did their IPO onto the American Stock Exchange, onto Wall Street. The first thing the share price did was to fall by 50% which uh, meant that an awful lot of people lost an awful lot of money, including Mark Zuckerberg himself, of course, as he would have done this time around as well. Mm. At that point, I think what had happened was, A, they overvalued it, and B, they appeared to have nowhere to go. People thought it had reached saturation point. Zuckerberg did a very good interview at the time. I was using it on a media training call only this morning. And what he did was he said that uh, they were now going to focus on the mobile market, which, of course, with hindsight, we can say they did to great effect. Now, Mm. what's happened since then, of course, is other players are there in the mobile market. Facebook has become a well-known brand, a well-established brand. And apart from the things that are happening uh, around it, and we can come to those in just a second... I know a lot of young people who say things like, you know, Facebook is an old man's brand. There's a lot of old men on Facebook. And I look in the mirror and I'm horrified to say, I think they're right. (laughs) So, you know, that's partly what's happened. There's always going to be the next best thing or the next new thing. And I think that's part of what the move to a holding company called Meta was. Facebook is still called Facebook. It's now a brand owned by Meta. Mm. Well, I mean, the, the ostensible reason for switching to Meta is that Mark Zuckerberg thinks the future is the metaverse. And that they have quite a large share of, is it the Oculus, the virtual reality headsets? Exactly. And so if if the future is going to be the metaverse, which is the sort of alternate reality where we all live digital lives, you know, shopping, having people over to our digital houses, and we're all talking to each other through headsets, then Facebook wants to be at the front line of that. What's your assessment of whether that will actually be true? And also whether Facebook is best placed to be the company that leads that? I think it may well be. It may well be the sort of medium-term to long-term future. The problem is that Facebook is facing issues right now, and not everybody's going to adopt a headset or be really comfortable with wearing the things and relating to people in that way this time next week. So that, yeah. I think Facebook has the longer term sorted out, and it's probably got deep enough pockets to last. 
But again, it's will young people go for something that's branded Facebook? My guess is that it'll be called something else, but it'll actually, it'll be Facebook under the bonnet, so to speak. So yeah, I think it's a perfectly good ploy. But at the moment, Facebook has a slight decline in users, not a massive decline, given you know the billions that it's got. But it's also then involved in trying to turn a corporate focus around when it's actually got, I looked this up just before we started this podcast, it's got about 71,000 employees. Now, when you consider when it started off, it's maxim, its slogan, if you like, was move fast and break things. Now, we'll just mm. pause for a second to uh, acknowledge that should be move quickly because it's an adverb. But, uh, you know, within the move fast and break things, that's one thing when there's 10 of you. It's one thing when there's 100 of you. 71,000 people. You can't just turn a, co- uh, a company around like that and change its direction overnight. So I think, or much less can you uh, turn the entire public around overnight and say, stick this headset on, you're going to enjoy this. How much do you think the company was affected by the Facebook file story that sort of uh, yes, the whistleblowing quite big stuff. Last yeah, year. I think uh, yeah. I, I think that was. I think it's uh, it's certainly taken quite uh, a thumping in uh, the public domain. There was the Facebook files. There was the whistleblower who said that you know this was the case of the whistleblower who said that it valued uh, profits much more than it valued people, and that it didn't care what it put out there. There was the whole idea of uh, whatever your politics are. The idea of the then president Donald Trump mobilizing Facebook for. The allegation was, that I don't want to be tread very carefully because of lawyers, but the, uh, certainly his uh, transmission of messages around January the 6th probably didn't help, regardless of his intention. I think we can say that uh, without any real fear of dispute. So I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's been around for long enough and it's big enough so that people are going to start saying this sort of stuff is your fault when it may not be. It's also got this balance between whether it's a platform or a publisher. So is it a bit like your mobile phone company when it's not their fault if somebody phones you and starts abusing you, it's that person's fault, not the phone company? Or is it actually publishing things? And immediately it started vetting things. I think you have to acknowledge the possibility it may well count as a publisher. Well, I think it probably does. But I actually often feel quite sorry for Facebook because I feel since 2016, since the election of Trump and Brexit, they've been beaten up a lot in public as the the platform slash publisher that was not doing enough to control content. And of course, it is quite a difficult thing to control content. And I'm not sure other big tech giants who were just as powerful, really, have had quite the same wrath. Why do you think it is that people are focused on Facebook so particularly? Is it because politicians tend to be boomer generation people who probably just know Facebook? And so that's the first thing they reach for when they're looking for something to blame? I think, actually, I would slightly dispute the basis of your question there in that I think Twitter had an equally hard time. Donald Trump was on Twitter every five minutes being wound up by somebody. And um, Mm. so uh, Twitter ended up taking him off. There were all these questions about freedom of speech. And it was Twitter as well as Facebook taking the flack. In fact, Jack from Twitter, Jack Dorsey, the chief executive, stood down because he felt it was time to move on and uh, professionalise that particular platform rather more. Mm. I agree with you having some sympathy for Facebook. I don't think they need our sympathy particularly. I'll be honest with you there. But uh, I think no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that Zuckerberg is is lying awake at night worrying you, what you, we think you, about you him. You but... just want to give him a hug, don't you? Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but seriously, I think 
the way I have some sympathy for them is that nobody could have anticipated when they started off that it was going to get this big this quickly. Mm. Zuckerberg is, I think he's in his 40s now. He's not an old man, but he, he came straight from college. I don't believe he'd done anything else in terms of having a business. So he has lived and breathed social media all his life. I think he did the right thing to start hiring some seniors outside that area. Whatever people have said about the hiring of, say, for example, our own Nick Clegg. He was deputy prime minister in a Western country. And I think that's, you know, it's not a trivial job. So I could see he started to surround himself with all those people, but it's still grown very, very quickly. And he's expected to have an awful lot of sophistication and experience to which he may not have had access during his lifetime. It has been floated that Zuckerberg would run for president. And some people even thought he was actually thinking about it because he seemed to be dabbling in politics at a certain stage around 2017, 18, around then. I think, to be fair, you'd need to ask Zuckerberg about that rather than me, (laughs) because I I don't have any insider information. He would be as entitled to run for president as as anybody else, or having been through his various depositions in in the House, he might feel that uh, that's no longer appropriate. There was this glorious moment, wasn't there, when they were investigating Facebook to see where its money came from, and uh, when one of the senators found out that people didn't pay to join Facebook, they gave him a very severe question. They said, how do you make your money? And he just said, we sell advertising. So he, he obviously is aware that there are people in that particular establishment who don't have a clue what he does for a living. Yes. I do remember how embarrassing it was listening to these old, often Republican senators grilling him about social media without a clue. But it's true that actually Facebook, it hides its actual business purpose. I mean, it's always done that, hasn't it? Well, I, I think like any business, it's there to earn money for its shareholders and, uh, you know, move fast and break things. That was never a, a, a social purpose. I don't think it's ever claimed to be anything other than a medium for putting people in touch. If you had said to us, you and I, in 2005 that uh, there would be an enormous network that would connect absolutely everybody, all sorts of human knowledge gathering together, and that we would look at, use it mostly to look at pictures of pet cats and shout at each other. This is not an original mm. observation, of course. You know, we wouldn't have believed it, but that's exactly what's happened. Yes. Well, I, the cliche is if the service is free, you're the product, right? Yes, that's right. If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Many years ago, I wrote one of the first books on social media in the UK, and I did a presentation, and I was... Actually, funnily enough, defending Rupert Murdoch of all the strange places to find myself because he'd just started charging for internet access to the Times and the Sun. And people Mm. were saying, this should be free, it is with all the other papers. And my argument was, you should be paying for content. The whole social media thing can't last forever without us paying Mm. somehow. And people were on Twitter saying, Guy doesn't understand that we are paying with our contacts, we are paying with our friends. When did friends become currency? When did our, mm. our, our contacts and people we know become things with which we pay for services? But that's effectively no. what we're doing. And I think, you know, the more people realise that, the better. It's very alarming for those of us that aren't very good at making friends or whose friends hate us. That's even more worrying. Well, I think that may be a bit of a contradiction in terms. We can, we can argue the semantics later. Friends who hate you, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, a politician? <laughs> So what do you think will happen to Meta and Facebook and Zuckerberg in the coming decades? Are they going to be eclipsed by Web 3.0? Are they going to be eclipsed by things that they can't control? Or do you think they are still the dominant force? in the market? I think for the moment they're pretty dominant. But uh, I go back to history, I go back to precedent, and I look at what happened to, say, Microsoft. Mid-1990s, well, it was Windows 95 came out, which was the first really, really popular version of Microsoft Windows. Windows 3 had done very well. Everybody wanted a Windows computer. Mid-2000s, suddenly there's this thing called the iPhone. Apple was absolutely everywhere. There was only one smartphone to have. What happens is that these things tend not to go away completely. They find themselves a niche. 
Apple's still fairly dominant, but I think if you were to talk to someone from Samsung or from Google who own the Android operating system, they would tell you that they're doing pretty darn well as well. In the same way that uh, Microsoft's still around, but then Google's doing its Office apps, and uh, there's all sorts of, you know, in terms of offering uh, web services, there's all these other companies uh, doing the same thing. Amazon's not the only online bookstore anymore, but still pretty dominant. I think it'll find its own niche. I think there will be other players. The interesting thing for me will to see just how many of them are actually owned by Meta, just going out under a different name. The Lever Brothers of this cyber world, if you like. <laughs> well, Guy, thank you very much for coming on. Very interesting talking to you. And um, please come on again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Many thanks indeed for the invitation. Thank you very much for listening to that episode of Americano. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, please leave us a star rating, preferably five stars, and a review. Mm-hmm.